are going to finish up a series today, and uh, I'm glad that you're here to be a part of this time. We have been focusing over the past several weeks prior to Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday on a series called True Identity, and when inside of that series has been us talking about who we are in Christ because we constantly need to be reminded of that because there are those days and times when the devil just loves to play with us. Isn't that right, Mike? We get that stinking thinking up, upstairs. Anybody ever had stinking thinking? If you're here today, you've had stinking thinking. I just want to let you in on that. It's not a secret. That's just the way it is. And the, the deceiver, Satan, the father of lies, would love to be able to convince us that we're otherwise in Christ. So we've been going back and looking at the words of Peter and what he had to share with those that he was writing to uh, that were persecuted and were, and were walking through difficult times. Do we ever walk through difficult times in life? And in those midst of difficult times, sometimes we question our faith and we question who we are and even who God is. And so Peter's here saying, listen, I just want to remind you who you are in Christ. And today we want to finish up with, um, with what I believe is that last call to our identity, that we are God's ambassadors. It's going to be a good day today. So if you want to fall asleep, fall asleep. The person next to you is going to punch you this morning. Or maybe I'll call out your name or motion at you or uh, something. Because some of y'all fall asleep from time to time. I know how it is. You stayed up all night long doing things maybe you shouldn't have been doing. Then you come to church to pay your dues. Are you with me? I'm going to call you out today if I know that's you. Rob Brown, why are you here this morning? You know. <laughs> oh, we're going to have a good... Listen, I, and again, I, I'm very thankful that you're here, that you're here. Your attendance is not what saves you, though. Only Christ and Christ alone. And so um, we want to be able to spend some time in the Word, but I'm very thankful for your... That the fact that you're here today because I believe that God wants to speak something into you that will be an encouragement, something that will propel you, something that will propel the gospel into the next generation because we are God's ambassadors. I'd love to be able to start today um, and go back and read that passage. It has sort of been a focal passage for us. So turn in the New Testament to the, to the letters of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'd like to be able to read this to you this morning as we begin our time together. And this is what Peter wrote. He wrote in, in to say, for you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, the bride of Christ, God's very own possession. And as a result, you, talking to believers, talking to us today, that's the application. You can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, but now you have received God's mercy. And in verse 11, he goes on to say, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. And here's sort of our focal time today. Be careful, how to live, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the word. 
the world. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, what a blessing it is for us to be able to come into this place to recognize and honor you as our creator, our father. Lord, we worship you today and we ask that in our time, would you speak to us through your word? No story, no creative thought that I could come up with can speak to the hearts of people. That's the Holy Spirit. So I pray for each one of us in this room that as we listen today to your word, that would we grasp what you would have for us to be able to hear, to recognize who we are in Christ, and that, Father, you have given us a purpose that is much bigger than anything many times we could ever dream or imagine. We are your ambassador. So I pray that when we leave this place, we'll have a greater understanding of not only our purpose, but what you call us to be, and we would recognize that we are your children, and God, that you've given us a purpose. For the person that's here today that is running, the, purpose, the person that's here today that, that feels as if they're far, far away from you, the person that's here today feeling as if there's no way that God could ever love them, God, I pray that you would just reach down and just make it very real, that you pursue us, and that you demonstrated your love for us prior to any point in time that we would ever come to say that, God, I want to serve you, that you died on the cross, you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross 2,000 years for us so that we might live. Would you speak that into our hearts today? And for those of us that are believers, today would you, would you just drill down with inside of us that we are your ambassadors? So I pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. I want you to write down, if you would, for me, uh, on your paper, if you have one of those sheets, if you would write down the word ambassador, and let's talk about that just for a second. In a few minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you back to a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, if you want to go ahead and flip, flip over to 2 Corinthians. But let's talk about the word ambassador for a second. When you think about the word ambassador, really, what is it that comes to mind? Don't cheat on me now. But what, when you think about the word ambassador, what happens to come to your mind? Representative? What else? Somebody speaking on behalf of another person? If we were to define it, this is how it would be defined. It's a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission. I was looking the other day. And the United States of America has embassies that it has placed all over the world. And in those embassies, there are ambassadors that represent the United States. Now, ambassador may not necessarily be a political figure. An ambassador may be an actor. It may be an actress. It may be a business person. It may be a sports figure. But they are there specifically to serve on behalf of the President of the United States and to, and to be a voice, to be his representative. Um, now, when you think about being an ambassador for the Lord, it might be easy for sometimes to conjure up this thought of being a Jesus salesman. That your job, your responsibility is to sell Jesus. That your job is to convince others that they need Jesus. But our job isn't to sell Jesus, but it's bigger than that. One time Jesus was speaking to a crowd of followers, and this is what he said to him, to those that were following him. He said in Mark chapter 8, if any of you wants to be a follower, you must give up his own way, take up your cross, and follow me. In other words, the implication is this in reference to an ambassador. An ambassador for Jesus doesn't sell Jesus, 
but he lives for him. More importantly, he dies to him. I you to soak that in for a second. I you to soak that in. Not only are you called to live for him, but to die for him. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives within me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That past has been crucified, and I've given my life to Christ. When Meredith and I were first married, there was a time in our lives where early on, we didn't even have two nickels to rub together. Now, if I were talking to you in the slang from Oxford, I'd probably say something else. But you guys know what it means to not have two nickels to rub together, right? It means you just don't have very much. Anybody start out that way? I know we have a lot of well-to-do people in here, but I remember that time. Not having two nickels to rub together, and so we were looking for different ways that we could earn an extra income. Anybody ever done that before? How do I earn an extra income so that I can not only pay the bills, but I can, I can be able to live? And I remember listening to a spill one night in reference to an organization, and somebody said that we could be able to not only earn an extra income, but listen, why, as a believer, you can even tell others about Jesus in the process. That sounds like a win-win, right? Build a business. Be able to tell people about Jesus, it seemed very simple, but it didn't take long for me to begin to question my motives. What was I doing? Was I trying to build a business or was I telling, trying to tell people about Jesus? I started having a problem, why I wanted to meet people, why I wanted to greet people, why I wanted to spend time with people. Because I don't have to sell Jesus. All I have to do is live for him. As God's children, we're not, in, we're not salesmen, but we are ambassadors. We represent the king of kings. Paul, when he was writing to the believers at Corinth, he said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you'll turn over there, I'd like to be able to read this to you today. This is what he said in verse 17, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, uh, or verse 17. This is what he says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. That as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm new. I'm not reconditioned. I'm not reformed. I'm not rehabilitated. But Paul says, listen, you're what? You're new. You're what? New. You are under new management. Our new life in Christ isn't about being a better person or making better decisions, but you are up under new management. You ever seen a sign on a, on a, on a, on a storefront that says under new management? Yeah. Under new management. When you see a store that has that sign, it means things are not the same. It's different. It's different. He goes on to say in verse 18, and all of this, talking about in reference to our new life in Christ, it's a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling. You might want to underline that. That's going to be a really important word for us. Underline that word. Given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling, there it is again, the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them. And, and in addition, he gave us this wonderful message of what? Reconciliation. So not only are we reconciled, but here it is. We have the message of reconciliation. And so he says in verse 20, so we are Christ, and here's that word that we've talking about, our, our favorite word of the day, ambassador. 
So we are Christ's ambassador. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And here's Paul in the midst of his writing saying to us, because of what Christ has done, our decision to follow Jesus and to place our faith in him, you have been reconciled. We as believers have been reconciled to God. And when we trust Christ, we are no longer enemies, but God makes us right. Now, that word reconcile, what does that word mean? Katalasso in Greek, it means literally to put something that is broken back together again. The relationship with God was broken. There is a tension that exists between God and man because of our sin. If you go back in the early days, go back to Adam and Eve, God the creator of earth that created not only those things that were seen, but he also created those things that were unseen. He created the angels. Not only did he create the angels, but he created everything that we see. He is creator of the heavens and the earth and the seas, the fish. He created the mountains. He created the stars in the sky. God created you and me, man and woman. In man, he formed us from the dust of the ground and breathed air into our nostrils. From the woman, he created her from, from Adam's rib. And he created us with a purpose in mind, and God gave specific instructions, and he placed us there in the garden so that we could could represent him and we could live. God created man so that we could live in fellowship with, with him. He created man and woman so that they could not only live together, but they could have children, be fruitful, and multiply. But along that journey, God took them in the garden, and he said, listen, you can eat of anything that you want to eat of. Just don't eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Don't do it. Because if you do it, you will surely die. Has anybody ever told you not to do something? What'd you do? Along comes the serpent, Satan, and he throws out the question. Did God say that you would surely die? Is that really what he said? Ah, oh, it's not that big a deal. Always blaming it on the women though, right? She took the fruit, she ate it. What we miss in this is that Satan didn't deceive man. Man made a choice, and he partook of the fruit, and they ate it. And because of their disobedience, they were cursed. They became became ashamed. They saw that they were naked. Man's relationship with God was broken at that point in time. And that curse that took place in the lives of Adam and Eve has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Our relationship with God was broken. But God, through his son, Jesus Christ, reconciled us, not for once, not like it was at the Passover when they put the blood over the doorpost and the death angel passed over. It wasn't just a salvation or a forgiveness for an atonement for once. It wasn't like it was during the day of atonement when their sins would be forgiven for a year. But when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was for all eternity. It was done. Just as Jesus said, it it is finished for all time. Our sin caused our relationship with God to be broken. Paul said in, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 10, for since our friendship with God was restored by his death, the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. 
separated, broken in our relationship with God, yet while we're still sinners, Christ died so that our relationship with him could be restored and we be made righteous. And so here's the word reconcile, which means to exchange or put back together something that is broken. How many of you have ever experienced a broken relationship here on this earth? How many of you have ever been at odds with somebody that you used to be friendly with? How many of us have, have been at a place where, where um, you were friendly with somebody and then all of a sudden you, you got into an argument or fri- fight and the relationship that you once had that was so close that you enjoyed was impacted and things are not like they were anymore. Here it was, you used to talk every day, but now because of the fight and the conflict, there's no discussions at all. That just probably got up in all of some of you, some of you guys' business. Because some of you may be able to relate. Maybe it was a family member. It could have been a close friend. It could have been a neighbor. It could have been a business associate. But all of a sudden, here was a relationship that used to be good, but now it's not good. Now that relationship has been broken. It's easy for two people that at once one time were inseparable to become strangers. And that broken relationship can only be reversed by reconciliation. Hear that. To be reconciled is to be restored to to harmony, to a friendship and harmony. And we're reconciled to God. We're made made right. We're reconciled. That relationship is put put back together, not because of anything that we do. Not because of anything that we do. You can't be good enough. We can't do enough. We can't apologize. But we're reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. It's through Christ that we discover peace. And you know, in our earthly relationships, for them to be repaired or then to be restored, somebody has to make the first move. How many of you have ever done that? You've been the one to make the first move to reconcile a relationship. Yeah. Guess what? Guess what God did for us? He made the first move. He didn't wait on us. But he made the first move, and he was intentional in sending his son Christ. And so we're reconciled to God through Christ. And not only are we reconciled to God through Christ, but we also have been given a message of reconciliation. So here you are as a believer, not just being reconciled to God and your relationship with God being made right when you have confessed your sins and you've trusted Christ and you've asked him to be Lord and and Savior. Not only are you reconciled to God, but now also Now you have the ministry of reconciliation, the message of reconciliation. God wants to use you to bring those who are far away to come in contact, to bring them towards God. God will use us to make an appeal for him to help rescue those who are saved. Man, think of the privilege that is. How many of us know somebody that's far away from God? You can raise your hand. How many of us know somebody that's far away from God? Maybe God's placed you in their life so that they would come to know him. You have that message of reconciliation. You have the ministry of reconciliation. Going back and talking about ambassadors, here we are last year, and uh, we're in Haiti, and I don't see Jeff, he's probably serving in the back, but one of the pastors there, Pastor Charlie, pulls Jeff aside and he says, Jeff, He said, you are our ambassador. 
You are our ambassador to be able to tell others. Next week, Jack and I will leave and we'll leave for India. Not only will we be a a representative of Heritage Community Church and our families, but most importantly, we will be a representative of God. We'll be God's ambassadors as we go, representing the King of Kings. Um, If you were here just a few weeks ago, you heard us talking about the... talking about that in our true identity we're aliens that we're that this world in which we're in we're part of it but this isn't our this isn't our final place I mean God's got a better place for us but we're while we're here we should be actively pursuing and living for Christ being on mission for the time that we're here we have the privilege of representing our heavenly father And so as God's ambassadors, I want you to write down a few things that I think may be helpful for you today that you have an opportunity to realize. It's easy to forget these, but these are simple, but I want to be able to remind you of them. Number one, as an ambassador, you have been entrusted with the gospel. Not only have you received it, but you have been entrusted with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Why is the good news good news? Why is it good news? If it's such good news, tell me why it's good news. Life instead of death. Why is the good news good news? Provides us with eternal salvation. God's love instead of wrath. Hope instead of hopelessness. I mean, we could go on and on. Why is it good news? And we have been entrusted with that good news. Listen to what Paul had to say in 1 Thessalonians. He says, we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. You as a believer, as a follower of Christ, if you're a believer today, have been entrusted with that good news. You've been entrusted with the good news. And our purpose, he says, is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. The methods may change. But the message never does. How we go about talking to somebody and sharing the good news, those methods may change, but the good news never changes. It is always the same. Second thing, as an ambassador, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak on God's behalf. This is what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my what? I'll say that again, witnesses. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Why do you think the U.S. government and other government agencies place embassies in specific, uh, specific areas? It's because they know that they're strategic places. Think about that. As God's ambassador, he has placed you in specific areas so that you can have influence because God knows exactly. Sometimes you think, man, I'm just drawing a paycheck. Listen, no, it's bigger than that. You think maybe I'm just going to school. No, 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 it's bigger than that. I was having that conversation this morning. You may think, man, I'm just a coach on the ball field or I'm I'm just a leader over here in this organization. No, it's bigger than that. You've been given a message and you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit And he says, and you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere, everywhere. See, as an ambassador, you are to love others. What was it that we find in John chapter 15? This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. 
And that can be tough. That can be tough. Two commandments that Jesus said were most important were what? To love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the fourth thing, what is our responsibility as God's ambassador is to show compassion and mercy as God has shown compassion and mercy to us. Zechariah chapter 7 verse 9, this is what it records. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says, judge fairly, show mercy, kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, orphans, foreigners, and the poor. Do not scheme against each other. I love beyond the walls. I love our ministry beyond the walls because it touches, it is a literal hands and feet action of touching people, a visual reminder to us that we are to care for the needs of other people regardless of what situation they find themselves in. Hannah did such a, God, a good job at Beyond the Walls that there are, people, um, there are people that come to Beyond the Walls not just to receive food. Sometimes they come just to receive a hug or a word of encouragement. Linda and Arlen now are continuing on in that legacy, and people are coming because they not only just to get food, just because they know that somebody cares. That's important. That our community would know that we love and that we care about them. There are volunteers that serve those people faithfully. They're in that position. They've got that time, and they serve faithfully in that ministry. I'm very thankful for them. But just as Jesus was sent into the world to rescue us, we have been sent into the world to rescue other people. There are multitudes of opportunities that are available to us if we would just see the availability, if we were to see with the eyes of Jesus the hopelessness that is around us. People are waiting for somebody to tell them about Jesus, not just invite them to church. See, your invitation does no good if they've not seen Jesus in your life. John chapter 20, verse 21 and he says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. The same mission that Jesus gave the disciples 2,000 years ago to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them to observe all things is the same mission that we ourselves have as followers of Christ. You are an ambassador. We are ambassadors of, of God to observe all things. And he doesn't send us out there alone. I mean, Gail... Man, when you're out there, and he doesn't send you to the mission field alone, but he promises that the Holy Spirit is there with us, walking beside us. Meredith and I, have you ever seen a, a movie that the plot revolves around some major earth issue being solved, or the plot revolves around man being saved because of the action of a person or a group of people? You ever seen a movie that has a, a plot like that? You know, if these people... Uh, there's this huge thing, and all of a sudden, these, these people enact, or this person responds, and as a result of that, uh, a group of people are saved, or the world is saved. Meredith and I went to a movie the other day. It's been a while back, not that long ago. I guess time moves fast. But here, here it is. This girl thinks she's lost her father. And so she thought he was a businessman because he was a pretty well-off fellow. Come to find out that all those times that he was on business trips, he really wasn't on business trips, but he was really an explorer behind the scenes, uncovering all of these, these different uh, artifacts. But he disappeared and they couldn't find him. She thought he was dead. Uh, it was revealed to her um, 
she found out that he was an explorer and found out where he had went on his last trip and so she decided that she would she would go to see if she could find out anything what happened to her to her father and she finds out after a series of events that her father wasn't dead but she finds out he's alive and she's able to see him but at the end of the story what ends up happening is the father that she thought she didn't have she met she saw but then dad not only dies for her in the end he also dies to save the world okay big plot big plot so you ever think about living for something bigger than the story that you're in right now have you ever thought about that maybe God has placed you in this world for a bigger story than just a paycheck or not just another ball game have you ever thought about that you're part of a much bigger story a mission that's worth fighting and dying for have you ever thought about being a world changer have you ever thought about the generations that could follow you because of your faithfulness and being an ambassador for Christ and the message of reconciliation that you could be part of something that's much bigger than what you're living for right now this much bigger than just coming to church on a Sunday morning or maybe serving in the children's environments which is which is so great serving it beyond the walls but God has called you for something that is much bigger than that and you know you don't have to go to the jungles of Nicaragua and you don't have to go to the shores of Haiti and serve in Bethel you don't have to go to to the mountains of Jamaica and you don't have to go to the valleys of India but our mission field is also right here around us do you ever consider that do you ever think that maybe your next-door neighbor is your mission field do you ever think that maybe the school the students in your class are your mission field do you ever consider the fact that maybe the guys the buddies that you hang out with man it's just not your group of buddies but maybe God has placed you there because you are to be an ambassador bringing the message of reconciliation so that not only you could be reconciled to God but they could be reconciled to God because nobody has ever told them the good news of Christ we're living for a bigger story but so many times we miss out so many times we miss out but we have been entrusted with the message so that we can be on mission and it is larger than what's going on today again that passage of scripture but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses you will he didn't say well you might be or just maybe or if you play your cards right he says for those of us that are believers that are living on the other side of the crucifixion that are living on the other side of the burial that's living on the other side of the resurrection of Christ he said, listen, there's power. There's power that comes upon us. And you will be my witnesses, telling people everywhere, in Jerusalem, here, Judea, there, and Samaria, everywhere. Guess where we are? Guess where we are? We're in that everywhere status. That's where we are. We're not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was there. We're in that everywhere status, and because of the faithfulness of the disciples, we heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a possibility, I hope so, but Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. He didn't say that you've got to have a seminary degree, he doesn't say that you've got to be a certain age, but Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word power, it means dynamite, like blow up big time big time here they are they when they received the Holy Spirit they would do things the disciples we saw them do things and accomplish things that they never could have done on their own 
And that's exactly what happens in our lives. When all of a sudden we receive that power because of trusting in Christ and we recognize that God is with us, man, if God is with us, who can be against us? It was Peter and John and those other disciples that went from hiding, that went from denying Christ, that all of a sudden that we become very bold after the resurrection of Christ. When they saw him face to face, their lives were different. The same thing for us. But Jesus said in his absence when he was getting ready to leave, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. In John chapter 14, 17, he says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads us in truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him, and it doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now later will be in you, is what Jesus was saying. Now the Holy Spirit lives with inside of us. And Jesus is saying, and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit comes to reside in us, and we say this all the time. No Jesus, you know change. No Jesus, no change. We're his witnesses. We're his faithful followers. And God in his sovereignty has chosen to place us exactly where he wants us. How effective of an ambassador are you being? It's bigger than a paycheck. It's bigger than a degree. It's, bigger, it's, it's much bigger than a championship game. But God has placed us where he wanted to place us, where he wants to place us, so that we can be his ambassador, his mouthpiece, his representatives. What would have happened if the disciples didn't take serious the mission that God gave them? What would have happened if the disciples wouldn't have taken serious the mission that God had given them? What happens if they would have not been faithful? What happens if they didn't see the bigger picture? Here's a great question. If you don't tell those people around you, if you don't live for Jesus, who will? Who will? If we don't tell our neighbors, if we don't tell our, our classmates, if we don't tell those in the workplace, if we don't live out our faith for our classmates and, and others around us, who will? <laughs> Can we be honest just for a second? There's a lot of stuff in the news lately about different things. Gun control, abortion, depression, suicide, terrorism, drug abuse, alcoholism, human trafficking, and the list goes on and on. Do you happen to believe that the answer to every one of those issues is better legislation? What happens if we were to be as compassionate for Jesus as we are better legislation? Do you really believe that getting rid of guns is going to help us and change our hearts and lives?
No. It's Jesus. See, the answer is in this room because you're his ambassador and you have the ability to, to, to change the direction of a generation because of your faithfulness. That's exactly what happened with the disciples. You have the ability to live for Jesus, to be an ambassador for him, to change the direction of an entire generation. When's the last time, when's the last time that you've engaged another person and shared with them the hope of Christ that lives within you? You know, here's even a more telling and more painful question. When's the last time you even tried? Why? Why have you not tried? Why do sometimes we bypass those opportunities when God has placed them right in front of us? I think a lot of it may be, and you can respond to me, I think sometimes it's fear of maybe saying, what if? You know, what if they, what if they make fun of me? Or what if I don't have all the answers? Can I, can I give you something really simple this morning? And I talked about it last week. I'd like to give it to you simple today. It would totally remove those fears for you and if, if what to say. Because, listen, there are going to be those questions that come up, guys, that sometimes I go, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't have an answer for that. But I want to give you something today in reference to the gospel and the good news that you can hold with you and you can take with you. And ever there comes that, uh, that opportunity for you to be able to share the good news, you have that opportunity. First of all, I want to tell you this. The greatest good news that people will hear is your story. And if you're a follower of Christ, being able to, to share your story of what God has done in your life. I want you to know that. As best as you can, sharing with them your story of how you came to know Christ. The second thing, here's a tool for you. You can write this down. I believe it's in your notes. There's two questions I think that, that people ask. Number one, what is it we need to know? Somebody asks you, what is it I need to know? What is it that I, I need to know in reference to a relationship with Jesus? Tell me about the good news. Well, here's what you need to know. Number one, God loves you. That's simple, isn't it? Have you ever heard that? God loves you. Not only the fact that God loves you, but God sent his son for you. God loves you. God gave you something. God gave you his son. That's pretty simple. The scripture says, For by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. Man, God loves you. Sometimes people need to hear that. You probably know somebody today that needs to hear that message. They've been told time and time again how much God hates them. Maybe they feel that way. They feel that they're distant from God because of certain actions or activity that's going on in their life. But the Bible tells us that God loves us regardless. Regardless, God loves us. You tell them that. What is it they need to know? That God loves them and God gave them something that only he could give. He gave his son. The second thing is what is it you need to do? Not only what is it I need to know, but what is it that I need to do? The answer to that is you need to believe and you need to receive believe? What is it that I need to believe? You need to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if I confess with the mouth and believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What is it you need to know? God loves me. And God gave me something that he only he could give. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a, on a cross. 
What is it I need to do? What is it I need to do? You need to believe. You need to believe in what the Scripture has to say about the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, the fact that He died on a cross for your sins, and He died for mine, so that I could be reconciled to Him, so that you could be reconciled to Him, and your relationship with God be made right. You don't come to God because of something you've done. You don't come to God because you give. You give. You come to God because He gives you something. John 3.16 puts it all in a, in, a, in a bowl for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved, God gave. We believe and we receive. That's simple. For those of you that are fearful of having a conversation with somebody about a relationship with Jesus, that makes it really simple for you. What is it they need to know? What is it they need to do? But it's not just what we say. I remind you today that people are watching our lives to see if we're different. That's what they're watching. Are we different? And I close with this statement today. We are all an ambassador for something. Watch this little video clip. Did you know that over 10,000 seed samples for over 2,000 species of plants are stored in a secured vault deep inside a mountain on a tiny Arctic island near the North Pole? The Global Seed Vault stores the seeds of life in case they should ever be lost to catastrophe or cataclysm. Imagine if you were entrusted with those seeds and charged to guard them, nurture them. What if you were the steward of the seeds? Of course, in the kingdom of God, that's exactly what we are. We're all entrusted with the seeds of life, all called to join God in nurturing new life for the new earth. When we hear stewardship, our thoughts race toward money, but God is much more than a distributor of money. If stewardship is fundamentally about deploying the king's resources for the king's mission, then what about all the other resources? Why do we think about stewarding financial resources, but not about stewarding relationships? Our tithe, but not the truth of God. The most valuable gifts God has given us are not financial at all. Our families and friendships, bodies and souls, love and forgiveness, life, breath, the world itself. These too are resources to be stewarded. The greatest treasures in the treasury of the king are not gold and silver. In Genesis 12, God tells Abraham, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the economy of the kingdom of God. God gives to us so that we can give to others. One resource we're entrusted with that will never run out is the grace of God itself. It's entrusted to every believer without exception in limitless amounts. It might be the most precious gift of all that God's given us and the most precious gift we can give one another. Yet we rarely consider how to steward it well for the kingdom. Seeds cannot grow unless they break open their shells. Jesus said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. The grace of God is like the water that softens the seed, so powerfully good 
It leaves us broken with love and gratitude. Then we can grow and blossom and spread the same grace of God to others. Ask for it and God will give you more grace to share. The gospel is the power of God, the blessing of God, and the glory of God. If you are the steward of the seeds and God has given you the healing waters of his grace, how can you nurture growth and cultivate new life for the new world? You never know what might grow from even the smallest seed. And you and I have that responsibility. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, that's where growth takes place. We come to know and recognize and see the importance of being an ambassador when we die to ourselves. Today, I challenge you as this heritage family to be active in being an ambassador for Christ. May we not be known by the buildings we build, the programs we have, or the number of people that show up on a Sunday morning, but may we be known for being faithful ambassadors for Jesus Christ. If we're doing what we should be doing, all the churches in this area will, will reap a benefit. Does that make sense? If we're living how God has called us to live, every church in this area will be, reap the benefits of us being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Not doing better church, not becoming more religious or more intellectual, but when we live as ambassadors, this community will be changed. We won't have to have some of the legislation that people want to push through if we're living in God's ambassadors. If we're helping reconcile and have the message and the ministry of reconciliation that God has given us as believers, it will have an impact. I send you out and I challenge you today to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Just not have to see yourself of going overseas to serve on a mission field, but to understand you are on your mission field every day. Take advantage of that opportunity. I've given you a tool today. There's two things I've told you. Number one, share your testimony. How can we stop talking about those things that we've seen and heard? When you have experienced Jesus face to face, you want to talk about it. You don't, you're not a Jesus salesman. You live for him. You engage people in conversation. You are an ambassador. You are represented for him. And secondly, I've given you a tool. What is it, I, what is it they they need to know, and what is it they need to do? Very, very simple to assist you in that process. I'm going to ask our overseers if they would come. I'm going to ask them to stand, and we're going to close out the ceremony. I'm going to ask Brian to come today. If you're here today and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, at the end of our service, when we're done here today, you have an opportunity to be able to come and say to one of these gentlemen that are standing here, I want to know Jesus. I want to I follow him. I want to know him in a personal way. Would you tell me more of how I can have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here today and you've given your life to Christ. You've acknowledged Christ, but you've never, you've never been baptized as a public affirmation of your faith. Today, you have an opportunity to come and talk to these guys. Maybe, maybe you need to come to them and say, listen, there's somebody that God's put on my heart and I need to sit down and I need to, I need to really be an ambassador for Jesus in this situation. Would you pray for me? 
Would you help me to learn and to know and to not be fearful of being an ambassador for Christ? But these guys are here for you to be able to talk to them if there's something you need to talk about today.